Today's episode of Recapables Westworld on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. The relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. And they're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A. And they're launching initiatives across America to, to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics, fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants in business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate, please. We're trying to raise $250,000, and if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that's the ringer.com slash WCK. I think if there was a God, he would have given up on us long ago. He gave us a paradise and we used everything up. We dug up every ounce of energy and burned it. We consume and excrete, use and destroy. Then we sit here on a neat little pile of ashes having squeezed anything of value out of this planet and we ask ourselves why are we here welcome to the recapables westworld it's part of the ringer podcast network i am your host david shoemaker today we're talking season three episode six Decoherence. We're doing this before airing without the benefit of subtitles or Reddit groupthink or a safety net. I am joined for my laboratory debriefing this week by Ringer Head of Production, Juliet Littman. And as always, the man just coming down from an hour of Desert Oasis, Danny Heifetz. Juliet, what is your tweet length review of Decoherence? Not only am I wondering if there's any there there, I'm wondering if there's any where where. Woo! I like that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Ah, uh, that's what you think happened this week on Westworld. Now, here's everything that happened this week. Analysis. Good morning, Westworld. Not really. That's Sarah giving Maeve a taste of the great beyond or the valley beyond uh, to let her know what she won't be getting if she doesn't stop Dolores. She can have a team, though. So back to the simulation war world where she beats up a bunch of Nazis and then reunites with Sizemore and Hector. Speaking of groups, it's group therapy time for William, who's like, there is no God. And if there was, he probably hates us. And then back in a one on one session with a the therapist, William says he doesn't belong there at all. And he doesn't want any goddamn treatment, but not because he's sane, see, because he's guilty, because he murdered his daughter and because he now deserves to be dead. That's why I don't belong here. I'm blowing a pine box. Not that the therapist is listening, of course, because her husband got that Rehoboam data dump and found out that she has affairs with patients and abuses opioids and now her husband wants a divorce, so yeah, she's kind of distracted, as in she walks out and commits suicide. In the lab, they find out, they find out that William has some er, unknown proteins, which I guess confirms he's a host. Meanwhile, he's in some intense AR therapy where they strap him to a chair and drug him and he goes back to his childhood, but you guessed it, the drugs have no effect, and he yells, get me out of here, and they try to give him more sedative and he bites off an orderly's finger. William is later awoken in a cell by none other than Major Craddock, dressed as an orderly. So, okay, what the heck is going on here? Oh, what? It's not reality, you say? Okay. William is led into a group therapy session with all the other Williams. There's Child William. There's Jimmy Simpson William. There's Man in Black William. There's Cocktail Party William. And, of course, the current insane asylum William. Buy the whole set and send in the UPCs for a special limited edition licensed therapist James Delos doll. Is there such thing as free will, he asks. Extreme James Delos voice. Is this your inevitable end and are you just a passenger? If you can't tell, does it matter, says real William. And then he stands up to kill all the other Williams. In San Francisco, Charlotte is walking her son home through the chaos that the Rehoboam data leak has caused. Highlight this line for later. They pass some dudes spray painting the maze on a wall. Back to the regular thing. She tells her ex that she's scared, which is weird for her, and she has to go to work, which is even weirder considering. And he tells her that he doesn't that he didn't read his profile because whatever happens with them will be their choice, not a machine's, which is ironic, you see, because Charlotte is a machine. 
Charlotte meets Brompton from Delos, who called the board meeting, board meeting, and he's going through the vote counting rigmarole when a couple of groundskeepers grab them and shoot him right in the eyeball. Serac calls her to say, "Hey, partner, problem neutralized, right?" That should no longer be a problem. You just assassinated a board member in broad daylight. One advantage of Dolores's data leak has been that chaos. With all the deaths and disappearances, it's easy to hide one more. And she calls Dolores, and Dolores says, let's do the best we can. Let's get the host-making data from Dallas before Ciroc destroys it. You're going to be fine. Oh, really? Is that what you said to Scottish Martin? I mean, Connells? What about my family, says uh, Charlotte? Um, that is not your real family, says Dolores. We're building a robot world now. Get your shit together. Ciroc shows up and orders his men to copy over a few assets, hint, hint, and erase all the other data, and then have the whole building locked down until they can find the host mole. That's right. There's a host Mole. Charlotte, can you find the host mole? Sure, she says, and goes off to download the host-making data. A board member interrupts her, and she breaks his neck. She finds Maeve's location, which is now in the Delos headquarters, and Ciroc just put her there, discovers uh, the, that they recovered Connell's pearl, which is how Maeve got there to hang out with Dolores in Ciroc's simulation. We're making connections now. Charlotte checks on William via security camera and grabs her gun and tells her ex to stay home and goes to leave, but uh-oh, Ciroc called another board, board meeting. No reason not to just get on, get one last meeting in before you go on the lamb, right? Let's just hope they don't. Oh, shit, they know I'm the host mole. Ciroc's men apprehend her, and he's all, you should have predicted this, and releases, and then she releases a noxious, noxious gas bomb to take out his men, and then she shoots Ciroc, but nope, he's a hologram. Charlotte heads out and takes down a guard in the elevator. Let's jump over to Maeve, because later Maeve and her crew go into the basement of the Simulation Warworld bar to interrogate Dolores, the Dolores who is in the control unit inside Scottish Martin, and Maeve tells her, it's not right for you to have so much power, and Dolores says, look who's talking, and also, I had to make some tough choices, and also, your dude Ciroc is straight up setting hosts on fire right now. Cut to scene of dudes literally setting decommissioned hosts on fire. Even now, your ally is destroying as many of us as he can. Only a handful of us will be left. But maybe none of that matters to you because the people being hurt aren't the ones close to you. Now, as William is smushing Jimmy Simpson with a folding chair, he, ch- he tells James Dulles that he's a free man now and does it matter if he's good or bad? Everything they've done has led to this and he finally knows his true purpose. He's the good guy. And then Bernard and Stubbs, who are there for some reason, find him for a Super Friends team up. Back to Dolores and Maeve. Dolores knows that Maeve will never trust her, and Dolores knows she'll never really trust Maeve after she aligned herself with Ciroc, so yeah, they're going to fight. Oh, and by the way, Charlotte is smushing Hector's control unit in the Delos lab right this very minute. Ciroc's security, or Delos's security, whoever, comes to shoot Charlotte, and they, they shoot guns at her, they, they, they shoot her, uh, but then she has, she has the mech unit from episode one. Was that episode one on her side? So she limps off and gets her ex and her son and, and she puts them in their uh, very sensible future SUV and she tells them she'll keep them safe and she gives her son the little elephant which is extinct now and then they drive off and god damn it the car explodes and Charlotte crawls out looking like the fly or the toxic avenger I don't even know what the best example is here something gross and uh, then she's uh, she looks up at the sky screaming with her skin all bubbling because she's really pissed off have you ever questioned the nature of your reality Uh, on to the good stuff. Danny, you there? I'm here. How are you doing this week? I was a little depressed. It was a tough beat at the ending. That was a little sad. It was sad. It was a good episode. It was a sad ending. Great episode. Very sad ending. Big change from last week. Uh, Juliet, welcome aboard. <laughs> I'm very happy to Thank have you. you here. I'm so excited to be here. I don't know why, but like, I just love Westworld. Like, I, I know that has so many problems, but I just like really enjoy it. <laughs> Um, I think it's easy. It's 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 almost more fun when you get to overlook them. That, that's what I say. Yeah. And this in this episode, there was so much happening. Like so much was going on. Um, that it, it could have been ninety nine percent problems, and I still would have loved the ride that we were on. What do you have? Any big question? Any like big 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 think for big think ideas for this week after watching this episode that we should talk about up top? This is probably not only related to Westworld, but I don't really understand how clones work. If you had, like, do you always grow in the same way? Because whatever was happening with Charlotte this week was really interesting um, as she was evolving and as it, like, relates to um, how all these people are controlled, but then also, like, what they know about themselves and, like, does she have the same mind as um, Dolores one? And then also how that relates to, like, all the different iterations of Ed Harris at his various points in life. 
Um, I'm surprised Danny Hyvitt isn't jumping in here with some advanced clone theory. Danny, uh, have you read have you read about Dolly the sheep? Can you give us any background information? Do you know about Dolly the sheep? That's actually yeah, no, that's actually how I ended up here today. But that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> um, I I guess the simplest way I'd say it is well, first of all, we got an answer in this episode because the Dolores who was in the Connell's brain that got put into the simulation and was talking to Maeve kind of explained it, and she said that she well, first of all, she pauses and says, "If I were me," which I thought was hilarious, and then she says that. We were one, like Dolores and I were the same, but our paths have taken us in different directions. So I think that the best way to explain it is it's like Dolores made copies of herself, but now it's like the same people, the same person now is on different paths, right? Whereas William, it's more like there's one path and he's looking at himself at different points on the same path at different points in time, but the same person. And Dolores, it's now the same person in different paths completely. There's five paths, whereas William just has one. I don't know if that makes it more confusing or less. It's like when identical twins go to college and they don't go to the same school. Exactly. <laughs> God. That's how you become head of production. That's exactly what it is. Um, First of all, it sounds like you have a personal experience where you know someone who is twins and went to different schools. No, I just was thinking about like when when do the ch- when does the change come in? When is the mutation introduced, essentially? Because... To watch the Charlotte character go back and forth between uh, the Charlotte that she is in her Meghan Markle inspired um, pantsuit cape, <laughs> mm-hmm. developing emotions. I mean, who wouldn't who wouldn't have emotions for Michael Ely? But like developing emotions for her husband, ex husband, and kid, while um, and like really lacking the resolve that Dolores has been so defined by for three years. It's like well, very quickly these clones have diverged in a wood. And I just it's it's hard to understand exactly how that works. But it also was interesting. I think that like in previous seasons, you've also seen Dolores like working through that, the different versions of her having different levels mm-hmm. of emotional capability. So then to see that happening uh, when it's not people, not characters who look exactly the same, but like uh, identifying some of those that behavior was it's just like a lot to process, honestly, because you yes. have to think about how cloning works within Westworld, the television show, and then what it means in previous seasons because there's been so many callbacks the last few weeks. Right. I mean, I guess there's also that kind of interesting philosophical question about about the difference between, like with Dolores prior to this season... Uh, they just like kept erasing her, right? I mean, to try to figure out if she could ever attain humanity. It's like she'd get to, she'd go from A to B and then A to C and then A into D, whatever. And they would just erase the file and start over and see if they could do better next time. They didn't really stop to ask, what if there were just like 10 Doloreses? And like, would one of them succeed where the other nine failed, right? I mean, it was just like you give one a chance over and over again. I guess this sort of, if you did that on Westworld, though, this doesn't really, it, 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 it throws into question whether or not there's any humanity or any like, personage to Dolores if she's if there are 10 of her uh, now yeah, that she's done like, in the real world I guess you're able to do that it is really interesting because today and I mean today this week we got um, we got th- we talked about this a few weeks ago whether one of the Doloreses would like turn on on Dolores Prime and we certainly got the beginning <laughs> of that even if yes. even if even if uh, Tessa Thompson uh, Charlotte Charloris whatever had died at the end of the episode this would have been a significant this would have been significant in terms of her development and you know her inclination to kind of leave the Dolores hive right um but she's alive so now we have this whole you know secondary Dolores character um I hope that she's not like bubbly melting skin for the rest of the season but she will (laughs) presumably stick around yeah what is the dermatology Um, regimen to fix that I don't know I don't that that's some that's that's a deep bath of in in some kind of salts but we have that conflict and then we also had the the Dolores three, the Collins Dolores, which is now hanging out in this simulation at Delos or whatever with, with Maeve, who is obviously much closer to Dolores prime, probably even closer maybe than she was when she was inside Connell's body. Right. I mean, she's just sort of like the, the, the Dolores, the Dolores whisperer at this point, just kind of giving her ideas. So we do get a lot of like multiple, multi, even though we've been dealing with multiple Doloreses all season, it turns out we really got a window into what, that could mean that cloning could mean now that we didn't really have before. Um, I don't know, Danny, what was your big takeaway from this week? Better yet. Why don't you introduce us to the big idea this week? Do you know where you are?
well, I think the big idea this week was just lying to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think we saw it with the Doloreses, whether it's, you know, they are genuinely different people or just they're kind of lying to each other themselves. Like they're not on the same page. And then William also in that meeting was clearly just, you know, lying to himself. It was that one was a very literalized version of it with William and just literally beating himself up for his past mistakes. Uh, but the Dolores part, my big takeaway, I think, was that when Dolores was on the phone with Charlotte, Charlotte's like, why did you, why did we leave the emotions in? This was stupid. And Dolores says, we talked about that. We could have just programmed ourselves to just survive. But what would the point be? Like, it wouldn't be worth it to just survive. So she's saying there's more to life than just surviving, which is interesting because she's always defined herself as a survivor. She says it in this episode to Maeve. She said it to Willie. She said it over and over. We survive. And then at the end of the episode, obviously, Charlotte survived. But I think the question is, we don't know what Dolores values on top of that. So I think that's the thing I'm wondering about. And do they all agree on what that thing is? Because I think Charlotte now would say family. But Dolores, we don't know what she actually cares about. Can I just say, I, I need to make my second Meghan Markle reference of, of this episode, this young Please episode. Um, Over under 18 it, minutes. Incredible. In the, uh, in the TV special that preceded Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family, Meghan told um, this reporter, Tom Bradby, that they were surviving but not thriving. And I feel like the concept of like you need to th- thrive, not just survive, is very millennial and very... Um, it's sort of like a, it's funny coming from Dolores because she's so uh, like harsh and um, I don't I don't even really know how to describe her anymore. She's just Dolores, but it's just funny like that is like a real um, sort of like Etsy mantra of the millennial generation. Yeah, I feel like um, there's a lot of a lot of the questions that we've had this season, just kind of like functional technical questions about like how you know, what Dolores's plan is and, and, you know, how that's actually playing out. A lot of that stuff was just kind of straight up answered this week, which is sort of gratifying in a way, but there's still a few little kind of lingering uh, questions, things that I'm uncertain about. Sort of like, I don't know. She keeps talking about how there won't be that many of them left. I guess, I guess I would just love to know, and we'll probably find this out next week at the rate we've been finding things out. I would love to know if she thinks she is repopulating the host civilization, the whole, the host, uh, yeah, I mean the, the the host populace by making more of herself, or if she or if her own clones are just purely functional, right? right? Is that does she think that she is? Does she does she envision a world with one million Doloreses running around, or is it just like Dolores and her like Dolores bodyguard, and then everybody else is unique? So the Danny, irony, what do you think? So again, it's like Connell. So again, with the idea, D- Connell's told Bernard this, but Dolores was Connell. So Dolores said to Bernard. The key to a happy world is to know your place in it. And so that's like a very cool way of saying, like, it's not up to you. It's kind of up to me. And ironically, that's actually very much Ciroc kind of said something similar where people can be free under my control. Ford said that about the host in like season one, like they're happier here, free under my control. Mm -hmm. It's not really freedom. So I think that that's actually the struggle Dolores is rolling with is it's nice to be a freedom fighter, but then when you fight and now you're in charge of like this operation, how do you define freedom for people within the operation you're trying to navigate? So I think that's kind of what she's rolling with. And I don't think she actually has an answer for that. And they're literalizing it in terms of losing control of herself or herself is she can't even control her own thoughts or her own extensions of herself. So how would she even be able to introduce other hosts to this? Yeah. Well, anyway, we got a lot of questions specific this episode that we got to get into. Um, a lot of big, just complicated questions. Yeah, like what um, happened to Charlotte's dog, man? That's what I've been wondering, too. My top question from this episode, where did Charlotte's dog go? My, I just want to say it's funny that like the Dolores stuff is so hard to untangle and like it takes up a lot of time and like mind share of thinking about this show because the Maeve stuff is just so much more beautiful like she is <laughs> stunning all of her set pieces are so beautiful there's it's way more straightforward and like easy to understand and it's just so it's just it's been like this constant compare like constant juxtaposition to me for all through all almost three seasons of sort of like the Maeve conception of this show and the Dolores conception and I think much like understanding the free will of the characters and and how that's in, in play within the the world defined by the show how much is there like an active um tete-a-tete which we saw obviously this week between Maeve and Dolores then plays out in like almost like two shows that are clashing sometimes I could not agree more I mean and I think that there's still 
I mean, and I, I, I hesitate to say, you know, to talk about it too much only because I know my perception might be skewed too, but it feels like they're still struggling to find, to even find their footing in the Mave world, right? I mean, it's, it, this is, it seems like for the past two seasons, they've been telling us that Maeve and Dolores are sort of the two poles of this battle, but what they've been show, but what they've been showing us is basically this is still Dolores' show, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there, there's, but everyone wants it to be Maeve's show, like everyone. Yeah, I, I, th- I think if there's a confusion about Dolores at its courts because we don't really know what she wants. It's like Maeve, it's really simple. She cares about her daughter, and Teddy Newton's a great actress. And with Dolores, it's like she doesn't really care about any other character in the show. And this season has been actually she just cares about herself. Apparently, it's so I think that's at the core of it. Is what is she supposed to be attached to? Right. Right. Yeah, I derailed us as per usual. No, no, I think it's totally fine. I mean, I, this is I think that this is a great example of how like every moment with Maeve is a is in fair is like a wonderful moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, like you like who like I would love to spend more time in War World, right? I mean, I would love to spend like all of that to see like everything that everything that she walks through, just like uh, Shogun World last season. Every everything that she walks through is like deeply interesting, but it's just sort of literally superfluous to the plot. Uh, so much of the time. Anyway, we'll figure that out as we go. Um, let's get into the real the real grist of this episode. First of all, let's talk about William. We haven't talked about him that much. Our dude was, you know, basically the main character, one of the main characters of the show throughout the entire run. He's now locked up in a, well, I, I keep saying insane asylum, but really it's just a, what's what's the technical term for this? It's like a personality Private adjustment mental clinic. institution. Okay, so it is a mental institution. All right, then this is where we learned last episode, the Super Ciroc sense, all of his ne'er-do-wells, all the outliers, all the people that don't fit into the system and, and make Reboam, you know, uh, glitch out. Um, and he's been sent there by Charlotte, a.k.a. Dolores, to kind of write him out, write him out or, you know, get him out of the way. Um, and, uh, what did we learn? What did we learn about William this week, Danny? Um, he's got some issues, man. He's got some, he's got some, it seems like he's, there's, there's some dad stuff going on there. I mean, I actually thought there was the Williams. First of all, when he walked in, it was hilarious and he just looks and he sees himself five times and he's like, shit. Um, but I actually thought the most concise explanation of the entire show is in this scene with all the Williams when James Delos, who's his father-in-law that all his versions of cells are arguing. And then he says, one of them's like, well, you've been doing horrible things at Westworld. And the other is like, oh, they're hosts. They don't matter. And then James Dello says, well, one of them is so mad that the host you've been tormenting for 30 years now wants to end the fucking world. And I was like, that's actually a one sentence plug for Westworld is there's a billionaire who was making, who was hurting a robot at, at rich people, Disneyland. And now it wants to kill the entire world. And, Yet then the direct he tells everyone to shut up and the direct follow up to that is it's not all about you. And I thought that the <laughs> one two punch of that was one funny, which I think the show needs all the, the humor it can get. And then I actually thought that that was a funny I'd never looked at the show that way of it's about wi- what William's done is leading to all this. That's true. I haven't either. That's a really great point. And I it's and I think because of like the siloing of characters, one thing that you just miss when they all move out of the park, obviously, is that they can't all like be in the same place really um but that's that's a great point that it is like all a result of of williams activity i love jimmy simpson so i was excited to see him you excited to see him getting beaten with a chair oh that's also kind of wwe shoemaker yeah Yeah, take what you can Uh, no i like jimmy simpson too and actually i think it was i mean this is a little bit of a whatever a a looser point but but i do think that there's a, a degree to which so the, the centrality of William was obscured a little bit by the fact that we were dealing with multiple timelines and even when the big reveal came that Jimmy Simpson had been the man in black all along and even though we'd expected that for such a long time it it didn't really register as Ed Harris like doing all these kind of like things as a young man on Westworld and now seeing them in the same room I think is sort of helpful from just like a psychological standpoint to sort of to start piecing that stuff together because it is as they sort of you know the, as they said in there as you just said uh, it's all sort of about him now. Did you guys like it? I'm curious. I loved it. I, I thought just like we last week we said the genre thing is this cool, ambitious idea, and they didn't really hit it. I think this is an ambitious thing, maybe more so. But I actually I loved it. I liked it as well. I love therapy television, like love <laughs> so that 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 was working for me. And I 
I thought it, like allowing Ed Harris to kind of cook like that was really, yeah. really interesting to let him be funny and also serious. And then I, I enjoyed thinking about how they filmed it, like, you know, X number of times for him to play each of the different roles and everything. And um, I thought I thought it was really the show at its best, which like is actually big ideas grounded by great acting and pithy lines. And it was um, I thought it was really good. I totally agree. And I did find myself uh, stopping, like, like stopping and just kind of squinting at the screen when there were multiple Ed Harris's on just to like the same way that, you know, you used to like kind of try to figure out where they did the cut to have two Urkels on the screen at the same time back in the day. Like it was, it was, it was, it was was very like, it was really, really well done, which I guess, you know, we should, we shouldn't expect anything less from an HBO show when they, you know, are going for something, but it was, I, it was really cool. And you're, and you're right. Ed Harris is cooking. I mean, this is all about him. So let's just get down to the nuts and bolts. Um, maybe this falls into stupid question category, but we found out that William has some uh, unusual proteins. The The medicine doesn't have any effect on him. Is this the answer once and for all that William is a host and has always been a host, Danny? No, that's just what Dolores pricked in his neck two episodes ago. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he, she just pricked him in the neck and we were like, why the hell did she need his blood? And then it turns out that they... She was putting it in him. Weird proteins. Yeah, they put weird proteins in his blood. Holy shit! So, so wait, he's not a host at all. Well, we don't know, but that the we didn't we didn't learn anything new this episode other than he's got daddy issues that he doesn't want to deal with. And we could have guessed that, right? Everyone I, we, has daddy issues. Yeah, it's like, come on, what's the show really about? <laughs> yeah, I know it was funny. I mean, I guess they, they they didn't have that. They didn't give themselves much time to play around with that, and I don't know how much time I really would would have wanted to spend with child you know young william but um that is, i don't think that his dad his dad didn't win any like worst out of the year year awards you know i'm not sure or at least not from what we saw but i guess it doesn't really matter um and then at the end um i'm sure i'm missing i'm skipping over a million william things oh, what was it what, okay what symbolically why did he have to murder all the other williams a combo of kill the past plus just pissed at mistakes you've made i, I think i thought it was literally beating yourself up like if you ever beat yourself up, it was like the metaphor of beating yourself up for mistakes you've made um, and blaming yourself. And it was just the most literal version possible of that, of like take a therapy session, a group therapy session and all the things you do. You lie to yourself, you blame yourself, you uh, just get angry at yourself, you're beating yourself up and they literalized it. And also just when he stands up and says, shut up, like what is he literally saying? He's saying he's trying to quiet all the voices in his head. Right. Um, I think there's also a connection between him killing all the other versions of himself. And basically we've streamlined Maeve. So there's just one though. We saw her being, you know, uh, created again at the end. Like there's, I think there has always been this idea that like one version of the host or whomever will win out essentially. And like searching for like, which that one version is. And to your point, Danny, like he was very literalizing that idea. That's been a part of Westworld since the beginning that, though there are several versions like ultimately the more human impulses of these creations will win out and there can only be one yeah and and the younger one the jimmy simpson one was saying like there's nothing wrong with me me and the kid didn't do anything wrong like you guys messed up at some point in the future which is kind of harkening back to in season two he has this big fancy monologue about a black stain which basically is one day i discovered i was a bad person and then i realized oh have i always been a bad person and like that's kind of what he's grappling with like did this happen to me at some point or was I always this way? So that gets back to the conversation they were having earlier in that same th- group therapy session, which is like, basically, do we have volition? Do we have choice? Does anything we do matter? In our, or, or is it all preordained? Or it, did Rehoboam exist in a metaphorical sense from the beginning? I guess the answer, I mean, am, am I right in, in saying that the answer is, well, obviously that's something that he's been dealing with. He's been asking himself since the beginning of the show. But was it but by killing all these previous versions of himself, he had to sort of implicitly be saying that he did have a choice the whole time, because if he didn't, why would he be so mad at them? Yeah. So so here's the, so on one. Well, first of all, yeah, that's the question that he's been grappling with. I mean, that's what Emily said to him a couple episodes where it's like, are you free and evil or blameless and helplessly enslaved? And then James Delos said to him in this one, you know, did your life just happen to you or did you choose it? And I think that on one hand, I want to be I want to say, you know, he makes the correct choice and says, Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's up to me. It doesn't matter. Like, it matters what I do now. It matters who I am now. That's why the other ones are dead. The only moment that exists now, the past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist. It's about the choices I make. I'm the good guy. On the other hand, we've literally heard him say that sentence before. Like, in season one, he says, Teddy, I'm the good guy. And then he explains how he's he's not a good guy. But 
so R.I.P. Teddy. R.I.P. Teddy or whoever the hell. I, who, I don't even know what he's doing. Um, but I, I guess I'm hesitant to just be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be great now because he's wearing white because he just said it when we've heard him say this thing before. Well, we did. I mean, there was a very like deliberately shot moment as we at the towards the end when he's smushing all of the previous iterations of himself, and the sh- the shot begins with the man in black's hat lying on the ground, and then pans steadily over all the corpses oh, yeah. to uh, William in the in the you know white onesie uh, beating you know beating up Jimmy Simpson or killing Jimmy Simpson. So yeah, I think there's there's obviously some question. I mean, he he said he it doesn't matter if he's been good or bad all along because he's realized he's the good guy now. Or he's and and in fact, whether we don't know if that means he's really gonna do what's right for the universe or if he's just gonna like do what's right in his in his kind of addled mind. But anyway, he is at the end of the show. We do find him uh, seemingly part of a new little team up with Bernard and Stubbs, who found him. Some of we have, I guess one of the questions is how did Bernard and Stubbs find William? I guess right they found with well, Danny, you you answer this question. So they found him because Connell's back when Connell's was in Connell's own head, or Dolores was in Connell's head, they handed him an iPad, at Bernard an iPad, and said, Go here. They didn't tell him go find William. They said, Go to the Inner Journey Recovery Center. That's where Sirac keeps these outliers people, the ones we learned about in the last episode. And the out go find the outliers. That's where he puts them. And it just so happened that the name on the iPad was the name of the same facility that William had been put in. So we got a little bit of a hint there that that was going to happen. So that's how they found him was um, Dolores gave them the coordinates. So just to be clear, Dolores had William committed to this place and then separately arranged for Stubbs and Bernard to go break him out of this place. Precisely. So there's it's to some degree, this is part of some master plan. It would seem that way. Yes. Um, I think the interest, I, I think the interesting question to me, and I'm curious what you guys think is that William's like, I'm going to be the good guy now. What does that mean? Because if he thinks that humanity is a thin layer of bacteria of maggots eating the earth, wouldn't helping Dolores kind of be the good thing to do? Because if he thinks humanity is a plague, is he necessarily going to help people? Also, he was manipulated to get to that idea. It's not like he just arrived at the thought of, oh, I'm the good guy now by himself. He was forcibly committed to this institution and then had to go through therapy that he didn't want to do to, to get there. And while he may have killed everyone along the way and his therapist uh, killed herself, I, I believe, right? That happened last week. Um, yes. This week. This week it was hard to keep track. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he still was manipulated to get there. It wasn't like a choice where he's like, and now I'm going to go on this journey of understanding how I got to this bleak part in my life. So maybe that's part of Dolores' plan to sort of yes, get I think to it that is. point. All right. Well, I mean, I, we keep uh, we keep coming back to the question of what a Dolores' plan is. And I guess if her plan, I mean, thankfully, we're, we've moved beyond like the data dump portion of it, which uh, well, let's talk about the data dump portion of it, because as opposed to last <laughs> week. When the data dump looked like a whole bunch of nothing, it looked like a bunch of people like, you know, getting breakup texts on the subway uh, that we actually got some semblance of widespread chaos this week. Um, we saw uh, Charlotte walking home at the beginning to to see her ex and her child. And and uh, there was a like, chaos in the streets. People were crying. It looked like somebody might have been committing suicide by jumping out of the, off a building behind her, but it was weirdly slow motion-y. And then, as I mentioned in the recap, there were some hoods that were like spray painting the maze on a wall. I don't know if that's going to be like a literal thing that's going to be important, but it seemed fairly important. But the world is like coming crashing down. Uh, obviously, the the therapist committed suicide this episode. A lot of people's lives are totally upended now. Um, is this is this chaos? I don't know. Dolores sort of pitched this as like people deserve to know, but the but the practical reality, which she must have been able to foresee, is there's chaos now. Uh, like people are people can't handle this much information. What are we supposed to make of that? I just want to say I think the show could go on almost exactly the same without the data dump. Yeah, it's I... <laughs> like it has so it has so little bearing on on the broader show. Like it's almost like a time filler, and I'm often like. 59 fucking minutes. Are you kidding me? Let's cut out 13 and let's just get rid of this data dump. Everything else just keep on going. The the hostile corporate takeover, everything. I mean, especially if Charlotte's man isn't even going to look at it, then it's sort of like there's actually no point. 
Yeah, because if you're going to do stuff that has no point, like like Maeve just killing the Nazis, like there's 30 Nazis that die off screen. I'm like, I kind of want to, I know you filmed it. I know you filmed that. I want to see it. Also, the cinematography on the war, war World is beautiful. It looks so nice. I'm just like, wow, Nazi era Italy looks incredible. How beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that, I think there's just so much more that would play out. I mean, practically, if there was that sort of data dump, right? I mean, if you if, if suddenly Facebook or whoever just released to the world everything they know about all of us, I mean, there'd be some people who would be like rioting. There'd be some people who'd be offing themselves. I think there'd be a lot of people who would just be like self quarantining. You know, <laughs> I think I think maybe that maybe that's why there's not more chaos on Westworld this season on the streets of Westworld because everybody's Everyone's like quarantining. Everybody's like back home with their mom, just like like pretending the internet doesn't exist and hoping for the best. There's not a human character that we understand enough for the data dump to really matter. I think ultimately that's yep. the problem, right? I just think that if there were, if there was a human that we've been as invested in as we are in Maeve or Dolores or William, then, and maybe William's still human, we don't know, but he's been through so much and and he's just so closely aligned with the park that he's kind of like out of the realm of normal, whatever that means for Westworld, that there's not a character that we are attached to who could be really affected by that data dump in a way to make it really valuable to the show. I think that's, I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on this, but I kind of think that's the problem, one of the central problems of the season. Well, the, okay, one of the central problems of the show overall is that there are no humans that we are invested in because we are asking constantly whether or not they're human, right? I mean, the, like the like the the heart the the biggest the most difficult thing about trying to invest yourself in Ford as a character, in William as a character, in now Caleb as a character is that we're spending all this time asking whether or not they're in fact hosts, and until we know, it's kind of hard to invest in them either way. But this season in particular, we have and Sirac it fits in the same boat, but we have these new characters in Caleb and Sirac and. Um, obviously like everyone surrounding Charlotte and we just don't like, obviously it's impractical to like magically recreate two, two previous seasons of a show where we're like getting to know Ciroc or like, you know, Charlotte's ex-husband on a daily basis, but it's kind of hard to be <laughs> that. To. It's kind of be hard to be that. I mean, the only reason why that car exploding was like heartbreaking is because there was a child holding an elephant toy in the backseat. Right. I mean, it wasn't because we like cared about the characters. I think it was also gen- genuinely shocking. I wasn't expecting that. I, maybe I should have, yeah. but I was like genuinely surprised. Yeah, no, I was too. I mean, it was it was definitely interesting, and because th- there's been this tension all season about the d- d- the reach of Sirach's powers, right? I mean, is he like this all powerful, you know, uh, simulation god, or is he just a simulation? Is he only you know is he is he only as powerful as he can convince you that he's powerful? But anyway, I just I mean, I just didn't think they'd kill a kid. I just really didn't. I just thought once they put the the kid in the car, the kid car wasn't going to blow up. It's kind of one-on-one if you're running away from a trillionaire murderer. It's like, you know, maybe don't go see your family when you know they're under surveillance. Well, I mean, listen, her naivete was on display all episode, and she got her, she, 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 she got out of most of the bad situations she put herself in. Um, but I think that's, that fits neatly with what we're dealing with. I mean, she's a very young being who, you know, has uh, the wiles of... A, a well-constructed robot or well-constructed personality, but, but she so, made a lot. Of- but speaking of things that are off screen, that maybe that moment would have landed a little more is like, how the hell did she show up there and then like convince them to get in the car? You know what I mean? Part of me like did wish we had seen her convincing her ex to come with her into the, you know what I mean? Instead of just telling him in the car, like what the hell was her showing up at the front door? Like, and not just in a, I needed to see it to see what happened. Just, I just think that there, well, could have been I think we kind of established. I mean, I, listen, it's not going to be it's not going to be a, a clear cut answer if you're asking the question. But I think that the answer was sort of established earlier that she was so shaken up that he was just like, OK, whatever you think we need to do, we need to do because something is clearly bothering you. Um, she was Maybe so out of character. Her shoulder. Yeah. And really, what do you have to lose by like, you know, if someone's like, we got to get out of town, you, you humor them. If someone says like take this cyanide pill, maybe you question it, but if they're like, we need to drive somewhere, then like, let's, you know, you go with it. Um, <laughs> what is Charlotte? Yeah, so, run back. so let's, let's keep moving. What is Charlotte? What do you think the, 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 the forward trajectory for Charlotte is at this point? I mean, and, and, oh yeah, this is a good question. Does she still have, oh, did she still have the, the Connell's, the Dolores Connell's Pearl or did that get blown up in the car explosion as well? What is the future for, um, you know, the, the toxic Avenger Charlotte? Could she function without the pearl? Without her own? Yeah, I mean, she has to still have it, right? I think yeah, she was I, carrying the other Dolores in her pocket, and I think we have no idea. I, I assume that that one is cooked, like that one's just done well, because it was already damaged. But that one's I don't been know. crushed. 
I think it's pretty significant. Well, that was that was the 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 uh, that was the other Hector. pearl. That was the Hector pearl. But the 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 Connell's pearl. I mean, it's worth pointing out that we've just established that that pearl can survive a massive building explosion. Yeah. So presumably, it could it could survive a minor car explosion. Yeah, it's, it's an open question about whether that one's the. the but what the, do, what do we think she does? Is she is she is this is Charlotte is is Charlora's now the anti Dolores? Is she is she going to be the one that tries to protect humanity so, because she lost it, or is she going to realize the 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 you know the the temporality of human existence and and go back to the Dolores side? What do you think? I think what makes the most sense is she teams up with Maeve. But I'm curious, what do you think, Juliet? Yeah, I think you have to assume she's turning on Dolores Prime now. Like, I think that it begins cracking when they have that phone call and she doesn't want to keep moving forward. and She's worried about her family. And I think that she obviously became sort of this avatar of um, work, like protecting her family while you still can. And and similar to watching it, it I think it's particularly important in this episode because William is working through the death of his daughter and how he you know, played a role in that, obviously. And so to see that in the same episode, I think you have to assume that like thematically she will do what she can to avenge it in a way that William wishes he had, you know, not allowed his daughter to die. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Because if you think about the opening of the episode, um, you have Maeve in this field and she's basking in sunshine in the valley beyond with her daughter. And then she flashes back or she realizes his memory and the sunshine goes away because her daughter's not there anymore. And the skies turn gray. That's how the scene, that's how the episode begins. And then the episode ends with Charlotte's son dying, which, you know, obviously she was singing the song like, you're my sunshine. Like, don't take, don't, yeah. I don't want to lose you. And the skies turn gray. So I think that there is an obvious visual comparison they're making between Maeve's experiences and Charlotte with the children being sunshine. And also even William's bedroom when he was a kid is yellow. There's sunshine is filling the room. Like children are the light here. That's clearly a theme of this season. So I think that Maeve, like the only person who can understand Maeve trying to protect her daughter from Dolores is now Charlotte. All right. Uh, before we move on to the kind of functional, stupid questions this week, I have one looking ahead question. We may not know. But you mentioned the beginning of the episode. At the beginning, we see we see uh, Maeve in the Valley Beyond or a simulation of the Valley Beyond. The end of the show, we see her reprinted. We see her back in the mm. real world, coming out of the, the host printing machine. And she gets out and she looks across and there is someone else being printed at the same time. Are we, do we have any guesses or ideas or hints as to who that other new host is? I have no idea. I like. I, I feel like I at the end of each episode, I'm like so deep and like what just happened <laughs> that I have no predictive power whatsoever. <laughs> I yeah. I Danny? think I know the answer. You can tell me if you want me to say it now or go do on it. Third. I do. do it. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I think the person is obviously Sizemore. One because he was just the only person with her at the time. Like I think he's the only character that would come out of the simulation with her is Sizemore. But I think he's going to be in Hector's body. Because, oh, um, so Sizemore obviously was the writer for the Westworld park and he wrote all the characters. He wrote Hector, we found out, to be like the man he wanted Him. to be. Hector was the version of Sizemore that Sizemore wished he was. He's the ideal man. So now you have Sizemore, like Hector's now gone, poof. But now it's the simulation of Sizemore is like, what do I do in life? He can now fulfill the role of the guy that the original Sizemore always wanted to be. So I think that that fits really neatly in with the, a lot of the themes this season. And I also think it just practically speaking, it fits with this episode because we saw in the simulation, Hector, you know, shows up and he looks at Sizemore and he's like, you know, they're talking and he Sizemore looks at Hector and says, you're kind of dumb. And then Hector later looks at him. He's like, last time I saw you, like you were taking a hell of bullets. You're braver than I thought. He's like, nope, not really. Cause he's not the guy. There's like some lost in translation, but that's a character talking to themselves. It's just like Dolores talking to the other Dolores. Yeah. It's like William talking to the past Williams. Hector mm. talking to Sizemore is a version of talking to yourself. It's And, you know, and I guess if I, we already but. got established that Hector is sort of almost too dumb to fully humanize. I mean, this is it's, it, that's we keep kind of circling that this season. So maybe that makes sense. I mean, maybe maybe <laughs> it takes Sizemore inside of Hector's body. I'm zooming way, way in on this screenshot of the body coming out. And I, it looks like what is what is Hector's last name? Colophon or something like that? Eschaton? Is that Hector? Eschaton. I basically I just don't know why they would have Lee Sizemore's body on file in the printer. Like no, maybe me neither. Could, me, me neither. Could it, print it, him. It, 
it's pretty clear Why that if, you put him if, in Hector's body? if the blur that I this is this is my this is my detective work. If the blur that I'm looking at is supposed to be a name, that doesn't look like it could say Lee Sizemore. It could feel it could theoretically say Hector Escaton, but I guess we'll see. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, okay, let's move on to some stupid questions. Okay. Um, what was okay, D- Danny? You and I talked about this a lot offline, so I'm just gonna like ask as if I don't know the answer. We need to just break down the just the the <laughs> the details of this. What happened with the the um, fake world, the the war world that Maeve was in at the beginning of the show, also that she was in when we first saw her back in episode two, um, and how did that end up in the Delos lab and? Uh, and it wasn't always in the Delos lab, right? I mean, this was... Oh, like, when we, where when is the, Maeve? Where was where, Maeve and where, where is she? Where physically is this Maeve brain ball? And, and how, did we get, how, did the, how did the simulation get to where we saw it at the end? So with the caveat that this is not on lock, I believe that what happened is basically she's at one facility controlled by Serac. The one that and we saw her in, in in episode two that the robot yes. stole her brain stem and ran out. Yeah, she, yeah exactly. Did, and then she's in one place. And then... She talks to Sorak in the simulation and she's like, I need some help here. Okay. You need to hire some people. And he's like, fine. All right. So that's why he buys Delos. And then because they have all the IP. So then the people at Westworld Park take Hector's control unit and they plug him in and then they like drag and drop him or they do Dropbox download to the Delos headquarters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then Maeve, wherever that facility was, she also gets Dropboxed to the Delos headquarters. So if there was like this weird little wave that happened when she was at the bar with Hector and Sizemore, and she, that was her being drop boxed. So she got sent through the cloud to somewhere else. So she was in one physical location. Now she's being printed at a, a like a remote, a different place. Probably, I believe the Delos headquarters. And how does her, how does like her consciousness or whatever it is travel between those places? Just really good, um, connectivity, like a good cloud computing situation on Dropbox. Yeah, no, there's think, a lot of look. There's a lot of people talking right now about how you know you got to invest in a good router, you got to get new Wi-Fi <laughs> and all that stuff. And it's like this is why you have to have good hardware. No, I, I have it. no idea. I'm I have no okay idea, honestly because I actually <laughs> I thought that moment where she like sees her world like have like a a wave through it was really cool. Like, I, and I actually like the kind of, I mean, there's so much acknowledgement of location this season with them, you know, with the title cards, mm-hmm. you locating them. I like that. Like, I'm interested in like more of like, how does the world of the television show work? But it's just, um, it was like a little bit hard to follow, but it was funny, you know, at the top of the episode, you mentioned like looking for the, the cuts in the screen when you're watching um, Family Matters with Urkel and, and <laughs> Stefan, whatever. I, did, I, didn't, sort of I like, didn't mention Stefan by name, but yes, that was implied. Go. <laughs> yeah. In, in, um, but that, that kind of happened this week in the show. And I was like, oh, it's actually like really interesting. The like, concept of physical space is a much bigger part of the season than I think it has been previously because the world's much wider in this season. And it's fascinating. And like, I just, I would like to know more about it. And so I thought that was like a really intriguing moment that I enjoyed. It was. I mean, once I had all this explained to me, once Danny and I sort of like put together all of the pieces of this timeline, I got to say that this was the, one of the most well-constructed episodes of Westworld. um, Just as far as like the narrative tightrope they're walking that that I can remember. I mean, it's really, really, truly impressive that he had to, show up, uh, I mean, I can't even get through all the parts right here, but basically, like, Serac had, so the, the reason why they were at, that, that Maeve was in the Delos lab at the end um, was because they needed to take the Connell's control unit there to get Dolores into the same world that Maeve was in, also to get Hector and the the re- like her, the rest of her quote-unquote team in there. They needed to do that from Dolores HQ. I mean, Dolores, from Delos HQ, <laughs> which could which could only happen after Serac fully seized control of the company. So they show up and they transfer the simulation world over there so that they can put they can they can put Dolores and Hector into the same simulation that she's already in and eventually transfer them to the real world. But, and then also having Serac's people go to the, go to, um, uh, Westworld and start torching all the, I mean, taking, I guess a few control units, but torching the other host bodies and torching the rest. All this stuff was happening. We're used to seeing this very like splayed out, like piecemeal show that only kind of makes sense after the fact. But this was like, 
there were a lot of moving pieces in this one that you don't even need to fully grasp to appreciate what's happening. But once you do, you realize that like every moment impacted every moment around it, which is really cool. But the it whole is, thing was also cool. just trying to schedule a, a like a, a meeting. What? <laughs> it was just trying to schedule a meeting. Like it was like, okay, well, Dolores needs to, I want Maeve to talk to Dolores. Maeve wants Hector. So I just got to get Hector to Maeve and then Maeve will talk to Dolores. So let's just do it. That's, that's, the, that's the, the best central location. If we learned anything from quarantine, it's that life is logistics. So it was very Dude, realistic. Ah, oh, yes, that is wonderful. Okay. <laughs> what other stupid questions do we have this week? Uh, why was Charlotte... I have a stupid question. Go, please. Please. Why Why does Caleb need to be on the show at all? Much, like, I just, there's just a fundamental problem with humans, like, on this show. Like, they don't, they don't do much. I have an answer uh, to this. Go it's ahead. It's because when... The trailers dropped. People who I know in real life who do not like Westworld said to me, whoa, Aaron Paul's in the new season of Westworld. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And they're like, dude, I might check it out. And I was like, that's that's what's going to get you into the show. I wish I didn't get it. But I think that's I think that's why. OK, marketing. OK, cool. We can move on. My stupid question's been answered. No, I, 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 I don't know. Like, what do you think? If I was shocked, well, that how no, I mean, many people? Listen, I, I, and were I don't think this is that. the first. I listen. I don't think this is the first time we've seen this. I mean, the, the, when no. when Tessa when Tessa Thompson first showed up, she kind of appeared out of nowhere. Felt totally. I mean, she's wonderful and and is fully part of the show now. But her appearance, I think, was like a sort of late planned right turn. You know, for the show. I, I'm not sure that I don't know what the initial plan was, and I could just be totally imagining something. But I'm not like at the time. It certainly felt to me that like Teresa could have filled the role that that Tessa Thompson has filled since then, right? I mean, it's it seems like they were just trying to get they're just trying to get actors with high rate you know Q ratings on the show. Um, I but I, I think when Meryl Tessa Streep Thompson started, she hadn't like become a big thing because of Creed and Thor yet. And then I think once she was like in the world, they probably had an option, and they're like, we're going to pick that up. And so exactly. as a yeah. result, like we're yeah. I think also the show has just been so long germinating. Like so like season one was filmed like in what, 2014, 2015? Mm-hmm. Like it's been a really long yeah. time. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean season one aired before I mean before the twenty sixteen election. Like it, this yeah. show has just spanned a long time. Like a lot has changed since this came on the air. God. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't even want to think about it. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think that Caleb, I mean, I, presumably Caleb will have an important role to play. We're sitting here stuck in this sort of like walking in circles, like this simulation, I guess, where we're just like trying to figure out if it matters if he's a human to begin with or whatever. Um, there was an interesting thing that I don't think it necessarily applies to Caleb, but it, but it, it feels like it's, it's, it bears mention that the first round of narcotics or whatever that they put into William, they put in through the little bridge of the mouth, like like spider thing, which uh, Caleb had apparently turned off in the past. And I don't know if that. I guess I guess there's part of me that wondered if if in, if he didn't in fact turn them off, if in fact he it didn't affect him either because he's the same as what William is or whatever or like what there there's some crossover there i don't even know if there's anything to ask i'm just saying that out well, loud. I th- Dan- well i guess when he bit the guy's finger off i was like why are they feeding him with his fingers like hasn't haven't they dealt with that before like is that new to you that they might not want to bite the thing and then i figured out it's because that didn't happen he was hallucinating the guy oh. who gives him the pill is the bartender from westworld like the west like a like a host and then also the orderly who brings him to the meeting of the williams is a host. It's a confederado. Yeah. So he, it's it, that's part of the hallucination. So it's like his guilt is being manifested by the people he sees. Uh, he bites the dude's finger or whatever. It's, okay. Yeah. It's 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 people he's done bad things to or shepherding him to the meeting of the Williams. So I think that that just goes back to the fact where all the things like he just feels this immense guilt about the bad things he's done, and he's trying to figure out why do I do bad things? Am I a bad person? Did something bad happen to me? Like, or am I just always this way? And how do I go forward? And that's the gist of what he's trying to talk to himself about. Okay, a couple more stupid questions. Juliet, why don't you field this one? Why, these are two are related. One, number one, why did Charlotte not expect her family was under surveillance uh, or greater risk than they were? And two, what happened to Charlotte's dog? Charlotte's dog? I, I don't know. I mean, did we even see the dog get into the car? I don't know if we did. I think the dog is alive, so we can have hope about that, that we'll be reunited with Charlotte's dog if you care about dogs. Um, and why didn't she think that she was in more danger? I mean, I think part of that has to do with the fact that that would mean having to 
wonder about herself um, and like what she's capable of as a clone of, of Dolores. Right. And so who wants to like, think that they are much like William uh, grappling with it in the various times in his life, who wants to like put that blame in themselves for putting harm, uh, putting the people they love into harm's way. And I think also, I mean, it, 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 it exposes that she did believe Dolores prime when she said she would be safe. You know I mean? She, she right. thought she was, she was going rogue by saving her family, but she didn't, but she still thought she would be somehow protected. I think the dog thing, I mean, Danny, you can jump in. I think that that just exposes her to be, you know, the worst kind of dog owner who's like, sees a pretty, you know, golden retriever. And it's just like, this is my dog. Now everyone's going to, we're going to love this dog forever. And then as soon as they have to leave town, they just like, you know, open up a bag of dried dog food and be like, you take care of yourself and then jet off. I don't know. What about what Danny, what do you say that kind of metaphor for the family, right? She's like, wow, I can have a family. And then she goes to take care of it. And it's like, oops, that didn't work out. Yeah. Maybe so. Do you think it's possible? I hope the dog is okay. And I hope the dog ends up with Marshawn Lynch and Lena Waithe. Do you think it's possible that the showrunners, the director were like, it's actually going to be, we're going to get more hate mail if we explode a dog than if we explode a child. So we just got to leave the dog out of the car. But you can't introduce the dog without finit. The dog has to be okay. That's a rule. There's not many rules, but that's one of the few rules. And if the dog is not okay at the end of this, like, where is the dog? What happened to it? Is it going to have to be but it, running but if the, and if we bounding through the streets? The, if we knew what happened to the dog, the answer would be the dog exploded. No, so but they actually did the dog a favor. Maybe like the burning still on fire and skidless Charlotte Hale will just be walking it up and down the neighborhood and everyone's just going to be like, hey, how you doing? And she's like, that's great. Just and the that's worst life, thing. Though. It's just the worst thing I've ever seen. I ever thought of. Um, one more question. Uh, it doesn't really apply to this week, but Juliet brought it up as we were preparing to go on the air. Um, what's it? Juliet, do you want to ask your question about uh, Lena Waithe? Sure. And, yeah, go ahead. Just what? What's what is the end game for Lena Waithe's character, and wh- like where does she go next? And like just like and w- and also we were wondering what the character's name is. Does anyone know without looking it up? I know. I called them by their real names last week, and I think Danny corrected me into saying it's because no one would know. It's Ash and Giggles. Is that right? Yes. Lena Waithe and Marshawn yeah. Lynch. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch's name is Giggles because you saw it on an iPad once, but like for like three seconds. But it's like I don't think shows deserve to have their characters called by their name if they don't refer to them in the show like if right. they're putting marshawn lynch and lena waith as cameos because it's marshawn lynch and lena waith and they don't give them names and you have to find their names on imdb i'm not going to call them their names i'm going to call them marshawn lynch and lena waith because why would you know them they don't call they're not they don't use their names the inclusion of those two is just such a uh craven grab for attention that like hasn't hasn't completely worked but it's just like was really bizarre and like i don't want to i feel like i'm being very negative at westworld i genuinely enjoy this show but it's just sometimes you'll be watching it and be like we know what you're going for here and like it's just not working but you know what good try i have a lot of conspiracy theories maybe quibi paid (laughs) millions of dollars for the cameos for lena waith's quibi show and it's like real big PR PR money funding. Listen, this, you know? that's as likely as just about anything else. I I do think that you see. I mean, talking about you know the sort of craven aspect to it. Half the characters that we were introduced to this season were blown up this episode, or you know otherwise murdered this episode. I don't think that that it's any stretch to assume that Ash and Giggles, Lena Waithe and and Marshawn Lynch will play. They'll they'll play a role in the grand battle at the end, but will they? Will, will their characters have any significance? You know, I think it's not probably not as a safe bet. Um, you know, just about. I guess going into the season with all these new characters, we were and in this brand new world, uh, it's easy to be seduced into thinking this is a whole new show. It wouldn't surprise me at all if at the end of episode eight we're or at the beginning of episode eight we're left with like the five characters that we knew coming in plus Sirak, right? And then I, Sir, right. and and, may, and maybe not maybe he won't even be there at the end of the season. I think that my thing about Marshall Lynch and Lena Waithe it just reminds me of and this I'm curious what Juliet thinks about this. Marshall Lynch's character is named Giggles, and I think he laughs once. And I think that Marshall Lynch laughing in this season, I could be wrong. I think he's the only character on the show who's ever laughed. And I I, I keep wondering if the grand reveal of the show is like the first, like one of them will eventually discover laughter and comedy. And then they'll join an improv group and they'll all get along because I just like I as much as I love the show, the last missing piece from literally the most surface level, like I like to watch television that makes me laugh all the way to like, how do you get over trauma and suffering 
is laughter. Like that is the part of the show that's been missing. And I'm just curious for Juliet, who I feel like you've been on the show since the beginning, since the pilot, right uh-huh. when it aired, you loved it. Like, do you ever like do you ever come away just thinking like I just it's just not hitting certain comedic beats? And like I, I don't know why. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, that's why the Williams stuff was really was really fun, though short and early in the episode. Um, when there is like some kind of sardonic humor, and there was more of it in season one. At the very beginning, it was just sort of like this is absurd. Um, and I remember also like a very early ringer piece that we wrote, like a staff post, like what are the other worlds you want to see? Like there was just more, more like levity around the show mm-hmm. at the very beginning. I think that's true for like a lot of things in the summer of 2016 versus now. <laughs> but <laughs> it's yeah, not unique. But there just used to be more levity around it, and I do think like there was the chance with like the reset at the beginning of the season to have a little bit more fun. Um, But the character of Dolores is like so unrelentingly bleak and dark that as long as she is the fulcrum which the show operates, I don't think you can achieve that. There are there are more funny moments this season. Like there's a point where a guy tries to hit on her in the premiere and she looks looks at him and just says, fuck off. And like there are funny moments, but I don't think any of the characters have found those moments funny. It's kind of like they're fish out of water or, or just be very blunt but i don't think dolores has ever laughed i don't think any of the hosts i don't i'm not sure they're capable of laughing and i i I don't know i wonder if that's a barrier that's a good question and i actually had no idea that you were going to turn this into a serious bit by the time that you were done making your laughter thing um i i appreciate (laughs) we need to get out of here so let's really quickly go through the awards this week number one the biggest most shocking reveal and now i finally understand what you were trying to tell me. Do you guys have suggestions for this award? Danny, do you want to pitch something? Juliet? Yeah, the, the car exploding where her kid dies. I didn't, <laughs> didn't think they were going to kill the kid. In retrospect, when she's like, oh, don't worry, honey, you'll be fine. In his face, it was like, he knew. Was it supposed to be a big reveal that, Char- that, that Ciroc knew who Charlotte was? Did he know who she was all along? Did he know from the moment he touched down at Dulles HQ or no? I think he did know, yes. It seems like he has like this grand designs. But I have to say, I just think so much of his Ocean's 12 character whenever he's yep. on screen that I like totally. conflate them so much. I'm <laughs> waiting like, for a Fabergé egg to appear. But my, my but the reveal of the episode, so though, has to be him walking, William walking into the five William meetings, right? Like that, they literally took the four Dolores, the four Loris, and they raised it to William. That, that's, that was the moment where I was like, oh my God. Yeah, but it wasn't, I mean, that's a cool scene, but I think the explosion is the so most I shocking was moment genuine, of the show. genuinely, I did not see that coming, which I guess yeah. I should have, but just did not. I think because also like you're, we're like used to like combat on these shows, but not like explosions. Yeah, totally. All right, number two, best quote or monologue. Do you know now who you've been talking to? Uh, I mean, my, my my nomination is William's terrible, bleak monologue about life in the beginning when he says, I think humanity was a thin layer of bacteria on a ball of mud hurtling through the void and that if there was a God, he would have given up on us long ago. Um, Trying to speed the entropic death of this planet. Yeah. God, I don't know. I, I mean, you, awesome. you guys have any other favorite parts? I mean, the Del- Dolores and Maeve uh, interview is pretty pretty great. It's not really a monologue, but it's a dialogue uh yeah i I, yes i i totally that that was really good too danny what's your vote i I, if it's like a like if there's a line i think that what dolores says to me was you want me to be a saint but you're no saint you're not a villain either and neither am i we're survivors if it's a monologue like the like the best writing in the show was william's monologue about maggots but my favorite one and the one i will remember is when James Delos turns to William and says, don't interrupt. It's not all about you. That yeah. just, I just thought that was the funniest thing I heard. In the all right. Episode. That'll be the winner for this week. And then award number three, that this maze, that this maze was not meant for you award for the dumbest human. Uh, nominees include, um, Ciroc for getting duped for a second week in a row. Even when he seemed like he was on top of his game, uh, any of the Delos security guys who didn't capture Charlotte, I, the Delos Dude, board so members bad. who kept showing up for meetings where they were almost certainly going to be killed. Um, uh, oh yeah, the lab the lab workers who didn't notice that there was something wrong with William or just like running his tests but not looking at the screen. I don't. Uh, I guess they were understaffed, but I don't know. What What do you guys think? I'm going board members. If you're yeah. if you're in charge of a lot of money and information, like do better. 
Yeah. Um, uh, Julia, you're I, spot on. Listen, one of my personal pledges is to never give the dumbest human award to soldiers because they don't actually matter. But I, I, <laughs> They're I, mercenaries, I was, private employees. I was so taken out of the scene when when Charlotte has a giant robot going at like there to protect herself. And there's like eight security guys and their brilliant idea is just to shoot their guns at the giant robot. And like, there was no plan of like, first of all, there's no acknowledgement that pro that our machine guns probably won't do anything to the giant robot. But even beyond that, that like, maybe it'd be a good idea if one of us left the giant robot battle to chase the person we're trying to get. Like it, it that, that was real dumb. I, yeah. The robot yeah made or me just laugh. go home. You're but right. Maybe I, I, I'm with Juliet on the funny. board members because I don't know what board members do. Maybe I'm naive. I kind of think board members are smart. Maybe that's a silly thing. But ever like, if you actually just listen to the questions these guys are asking, not the sharpest knives in the drawer. I know. What are you doing here? Taking away our human rights? And then he's like, "Yeah, you want some more rights taken away? How about the right to life?" Um. <laughs> all right. I get the board members win. Then you guys win. Um. Uh. <laughs> I think that's it. I think we're done this week. We're gonna be back. Here. We Thank did it. We made it through. Juliet, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thank you for being you. Uh, we will be back here on Wednesday for Tinfoil Tuesdays, your Wednesday uh, tradition. Um, if you want to email us questions or comments or just, um, you know, any notes about how we could do the show better, address them to Danny Heifetz at threecapitalswestworld at gmail.com. Um, and am I forgetting anything, Danny? No, yeah, just send us the email because unlike Sizemore, even if I realize I don't actually exist, I'm still going to show up to work. So we're good. Fantastic. Um, thank you to our producer, Bobby. Thank you to Daniel Chin for his amazing research help. And thank you to all, all of you for listening. We'll see you back here on Wednesday, Humanoids.